You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. We are live once again on the making of a marketer. Jess and Andy here with you with a Super Bowl special. So we've been really itching to, you know, get this episode going for a few weeks now. You know, Jess, you're a big Super Bowl commercial person. So I know you're like super, super excited for this. And we got one of the best in the biz here today. Eric Peterson, a senior, senior director of brand and advertising at Workday and if you're watching the Super Bowl, Workday really rocked out on the Super Bowl with their ads. So we're extremely excited to have you here today, Eric, as we kind of discuss what Workday did to put this amazing piece together and, and how this is going to live on, you know, beyond the Super Bowl itself. Yeah, absolutely. Super excited to be here. Thanks so much, Andy and Jess, for having me. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's dive into it. And, you know, I missed the marker today. So, Jess, you got your rocker. Your, your rocker coat on. Um, Eric's got his rocker shirt on. So I missed the memo. I'm a former rocker. I actually used to faux hawk my hair. So um, I'll send you a picture of that later, just, just so you can believe that it's true. Yeah, I will believe that when I see it. I can't do that anymore. This isn't, it's not working like it used to. But back in the day, uh, it, it used to work out. So we're going to start off right here, Eric, what we have been asking, you know, all of our guests just to kick off interviews is we talk about creative, uh, you know, creative nature a lot, creative mindsets, you know, and, and a lot of us at different times, we end up stuck or some days we're like, we hit the ground running, we're super creative, you know, so when you are trying to unlock that for something like, you know, workday in the Super Bowl, what unlocks your creativity? Yeah, great question, uh, Andy. Uh, you know, when you hit a wall creatively, I think <clears throat> there's a lot of different strategies you need to take. And um, I think there was an episode of Mad Men where, uh, where Don Draper told Peggy, like, look, open your toolbox and get to work. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, in some ways it's that straightforward. You've got, uh, you know, a set of tactics to, to employ, whether it's, you know, uh, rebooting the brief or, using something uh, that's a little more unorthodox, like uh, the oblique strategies cards that were created by Brian Eno in the 1970s. Uh, there's now an app for them uh, that you can use uh, where you can get, uh, you know, thought starters um, to, to get your mind working again. Um, but yeah, over the course of my career, I've seen uh, teams do a lot of different things. And, um, you know, even <clears throat> down to where we actually had a shot uh, a finished film and it was it was not working uh, honestly and we had to completely rethink it in the edit and we took uh what was uh, a, a finished film and took it in a completely different direction added a new soundtrack to it and, and it totally made all of the difference and completely remade the spot so um hopefully you don't get to that point when you have to rethink things but sometimes you do and yeah you've got to use every uh, every tool in your bag 
You know, Eric, as someone like myself that I have done video editing, I don't claim myself to be a video editor by any means. It's more like the, the friends and family edit, you know, going to broadcast school editing. Um, but I have been on the receiving side of the change, like the music or change, like the key shots, like at the last second. Um you, you know, I'm sure that it's always a difficult conversation, but, you know, as an editor, it's like one that's like worth having too, because, you know, we want to have the, you know, the best finished product at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, I think what, one of the uh, challenges we were facing this year with Workday is, you know, we'd originally conceived this spot as a 30 and uh, we, they cut a 60 as well, but to be able to, to fit, uh, you know, all of these uh, uh, rock stars, into a 30 second spot seemed like almost impo impossible task. And to the, uh, the agencies and the, the editor's credit, they did it. And then you could see you know, the value of the 60 where you had just so much more uh, room to, to play and tell your story, um, but to also the, the economy of being able to get it down to a 30 and still making an understandable narrative. Uh, it was really an incredible accomplishment on their part. So let's take us through your experience with the Super Bowl, Eric. So, you know, this Workday spot, you know, obviously captured a ton of our attention. You know, you, you see Ozzy Osbourne on the screen, you're going to stop and look <laughs> up. You know, it's, it's, uh, I'm not going to say that's my generation. My generation was the Osbournes reality TV show. Right. But still, a lot of us are very familiar <laughs> with Ozzy Osbourne. You're just going to like glue your eyes to it. Um, your experience producing these types of uh, the, these types of ads. Do you have a favorite experience or something that's motivated you? Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I was really fortunate uh, early in my career. I was working at an agency uh, on the Jeep business, and uh, one of the uh, creative directors stood up in a meeting and he said, "You know, I've got this idea, and it's <clears throat> it's like in in." the Bugs Bunny cartoons when he tunnels underground. Uh, you're never gonna see the Jeep. You're only gonna see a mound of snow and everybody was just like, oh yeah, that's it. What a genius idea. Uh, and we produced it with Digital Domain who did all the effects for Titanic. And, and that's what you see literally is you see this mound of snow and it's moving forward and you see it pause and you see snow fall off and reveal a stop sign. And you see a tail light underneath the snow glowing and it makes a left turn. So a Super Bowl spot where you never even saw the product being advertised. It went on to win the uh, uh, the uh, Lion, uh, the Grand Prix actually at, at Cannes that year. It's the first time that an automotive maker had ever won that uh, prestigious award. Uh, so yeah, I, I was uh, really lucky to be part of that. I was you know a junior uh, account person at the time, but uh, it was it was a really incredible experience. So with our next question, you know, if you're a marketer and you're trying to create or launch a Super Bowl spot, is it probably two part question here? Is, it, is there any difference between like going for the Super Bowl? So it's like really big. Does it really differ any from, you know, launching just, you know, your, your 30 second spot that you would run throughout the year? And, you know, what should marketers be asking themselves when they are planning one of these spots? Yeah, it's a great question, Andy. There's no question uh, that it's absolutely a completely different landscape. You got to go in with a totally different mindset, right? In, in, in virtually every instance, um, you know, the advertising is a bug, not a feature, except in the Super Bowl, where people actually tune in to watch the ads and consciously to, to, to rate them and talk about them. 
And so you got to bring it. And if, if you don't show up, um, you know, you're, you'd be humiliated on a world stage. Um, so yeah, I think it's a completely different mindset, a different approach. And it doesn't have to mean uh, enormous budget. It could, but you also think about something like the bouncing QR code uh, from a year ago, you know, where that captured everyone's attention. You know, some polls rated it dead last um, in terms of the, the quality of the content, but there was no doubt about it that it got people talking. Um, and, and, you know, it was another way to use QR codes that had sort of, you know, at that point kind of, you know, come and gone and then come back uh, due, to, uh, due, due to COVID. Um, so it was, it was a pretty brilliant move. And, you know, I mean, the cost of it was virtually nothing compared to a, a typical Super Bowl ad. You also think about, you know, incredibly cinematic spots for the Super Bowl um, that capture your, your attention. And, you know, everyone always, you know, talks about 1984 and the introduction of the, the Mac. Um, it, it, no, no doubt about it. That was a master filmmaker, uh, Ridley Scott, and uh, he was working, uh, you know, uh, in, in his domain, shooting something that was uh, epic in, 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 in scale and, and looked uh, like a Ridley Scott uh, piece of film. And, and it was magical. Um, you know, I've been fortunate to be part of uh, a lot of different um, Super Bowl spots over the years. And, you know, I think about some of the ones that we did that featured some really uh, cinematic uh, performance driving for, for luxury German car that I worked on. Um, really, really cool. Um, you know, a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, you, you've got to bring it and you got to really capture people's imagination. You've got, you know, 100 million viewers tuning in. And that's something, you know, Jess and I, you have, and I had a pretty good conversation about this last week. And, you know, what is the future of Super Bowl ads? Yeah, that that's, you know, like everybody has their own opinion, not, and there isn't one that's right or wrong. Like, is it, you go with the funny thing or are you, you know, trying to create some like big overarching message or are you directly product based? So I think it's fascinating, Eric, to hear you talk through this and kind of where your mind is running because, that's something that just you and I deal with even outside of Super Bowl. We deal with it on a daily basis. You know, like what is brand to you? And there's no better place to showcase than the Super Bowl. Definitely. I love Eric's sentiment around this idea of going bold because, again, it really taps into the the creativity piece and, cre and flexing that creative muscle. And I, I feel consistently where the Super Bowl commercials you know, don't like fall flat is when they are playing it safe. So yeah. Eric, love your sentiment about yeah, just be as creative as you can. Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. You know, I think you really, um, you need to show up and in a, in a big way. And, you know, um, everyone talks about, you know, the death of traditional advertising and, you know, in part due to, you know, the way that the media landscape is, is sort of, you know, uh, uh, splintered in a million different pieces. Um, and in, in some respects, that's true. I mean, you think about watching, you know, traditional TV show live when it's broadcast, you know, how many people are doing that? Most are starting to, you know, use time shifting devices or on demand. However, the one exception, of course, being live sports, right? People watch sports in real time <clears throat> and there's no bigger place uh, than the Super Bowl, right? That's where you're going to, I think this year's viewership was maybe the third most viewed mm -hmm. show of all time, 113 million viewers. Um, and, and, you know, the, the league, the NFL is, is the most popular league uh, in this country. 
uh, it's only going to get more powerful. So, you know, as media continues to evolve and, and, and grow, um, there's just going to be more and more ways to, to amplify uh, what you're doing on the Super Bowl, but there's going to be uh, no other place where you're going to get that many people at once. Um, all focused uh, on the ads and, and uh, you know, uh, curious to hear what they what they're uh, saying. So I, I think it's going to continue to be special and, and command that premium price that it does. And, and just this is something that we've talked about since the beginning of the podcast. I've always in my career uh, been been a big advocate of, you know, mixing media types across different platforms. So like, for instance, like you'll go to a conference and they're going to break out the phrase omni-channel marketing. You're going to hear it 5,000 times. Like, but really what, I, what I'm thinking of is, you know, I don't want to be overwhelmed by running eight channels, but like what is a production like this and what can we learn from it and apply to digital? Because we like to say that marketing is very much a copycat league. And a lot of the, the philosophical nature of social media is derived from what we see on TV, what we saw on radio um, decades ago. There's stuff that repeats itself so much. I think it's so powerful to learn what we see during the Super Bowl, workday utilizing humor, rock stars, you know, kind of taking what, you know, could be considered, you know, a serious corporate brand, but making it fun, relatable, and starting that conversation with the users. And I think you can apply that to every single type of medium. Um, and that and that really just leads me into my next question here, Eric, is we're talking about the future of the Super Bowl. So you talk about QR codes. I remember the first time I saw one of those and I wasn't smartphone savvy. I literally didn't know what to do with it. And someone had to tell me to open up my my phone and, and put the, the picture mode on, of course. But you know, now people know what that is. Uh, is there is there any type of evolution you're seeing right now? Maybe this year, maybe a few years past. Like, what is the future right now where these ads are headed? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, we're a um, six and a half billion dollar business. Uh, we're global. Um, you know, we've got uh, eighteen thousand employees worldwide, um, and, and we want to connect with our audience. We want to connect with our audience in the C-suite. We want to uh, connect with our end users. Um, and, and so we, to do that, we, we need to be relatable. We need to be human. And I think that was really important when we went into this, was producing something that was relatable, that was a little bit fun. You know, our values are, are uh, include fun. They include innovation. They include the employee base. Uh, they include our customers. And so all of those were influences on, on developing this. Um, and, you know, we wanted to be, it, it, we strive to be a, 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 a company that people want to work with. Um, you know, who, who wants to work with some big, you know, cold monolith? Um, you want to work with human beings that get you, that understand you. And so uh, that was really important, really informed our decisions when it came to selecting the talent that we chose. Um, you know, a diverse bunch of, of rock stars. And, and you have, of course, the, the, the play, of course, was calling people a rock star in the workplace versus someone who's actually a rock star. And so you had to get that instantaneously when you saw one of them. You had to look and say, yeah, Paul Stanley kissed, boom, rock star. Joan Jett, rock star. Billy Idol, rock star. Um, you know, when, when you see these people, Gary Clark Jr., rock star, um, to immediately recognize them as rock stars in, in order to get the joke, right? In order to have, have some fun and feel that. 
Um, so yeah, uh, that, that was our, our mindset going into this and, and what inspired us. Can you speak to the talent? Because it was very well represented around the world. So, you know, we didn't, you look at rock stars and, you know, that you go back to that era, you know, that we seen it in America, we saw it in the UK, we saw it across the world. It was really a revolution that still, you know, has that impact today. And as you, you chose the talent, was that initially your thinking or did it kind of like work its way into that? Yeah, we wanted global talent. Um, you know, we talked to our, our workmates in France and in Germany and the UK and Australia. And, you know, they said, yeah, of course we know who kisses. Of course. What do you think? You know, they're, they're in ours. We're like, okay, of course. You know, we love Billy Idol. So, um, yeah, it was fun. It was important to select them to ensure that they were representative of the people that we want to talk to, um, you know, that they were diverse by gender and, and, and uh you know, uh, so it was important to make those those decisions, but that they were also rock stars, um, people that, you know, you recognized as, as rock stars first and foremost to, to get the idea. And so, yeah, we're excited. Um, this campaign is rolling out globally. Um, our workmates have embraced it. And that's another part of it, too, is, you know, you want to make sure that you're really, um, you know, you're, you're taking uh, uh, advantage of the fact that you've got uh, you know, this huge employee base, and you want to make sure that they're bought into it, um, that they believe in it like you do, and that they feel it like you do, um, and want to be part of it, want to amplify it through their own personal networks, and share it, and are proud of it. Um, I can't tell you how many stories I heard from <clears throat> my colleagues, my workmates, of friends and family texting them, calling, and oh my god, this is amazing, congratulations. Uh, you know, uh, so it's, it, I think it's a great feeling to be part of something like that. Definitely. The, the conversation, you know, Jess, you know, it's what can create some sort of conversation? What can create engagement? What can just create anything? You know, I, th this is something I learned and I learned this having no budget, you know, it's nice to have a lot of budget, but if you can apply some no budget lessons to a lot of budget lessons, I've found that it's like this great synergy and I used it with Twitter back in the day. And it was like, okay, we don't have budget for this event. We need to go word of mouth. But word of mouth is pretty tough. Like, how can I create a buzz? And I was like, I can do that by getting a hashtag trending. And we were able to get it trending, like number one in Houston back in the day. But it just really speaks to like everything we do is so word of mouth in a way, but um, amplified by the dollars, the, the lenses that the Super Bowl can give us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We went into this thinking about it, uh, your cross-discipline. What can we do uh, with our employee base to amplify it? Um, how can we generate PR through all of these incredible uh, rock stars, the incredible talent? Um, they were wonderful to work with. They were so great about engaging and promoting on social media through their channels with their followers. Uh, Ozzy has an enormous following. The others do as well. And of course, when they messaged things out, uh, shared, uh, you know, their, their thoughts and, and amplified it, uh, it just continued to, to snowball. So it was really wonderful. And it was, it was so great to see that. Um, and of course, you know, uh, our, our employees and, and their fans loved it and engaged in social media, it pulled in other brands like uh, uh, Pepsi uh, Zero, who, who engaged with us during the game, which was a lot of fun. So uh, yeah, we, we had fun. Uh, Aussies fans uh, all, all uh, competing 
for a, a limited edition Oswald uh, t-shirt uh, that we produced and gave away. So um, definitely made the most of it. And I think that's really important with the Super Bowl ad, right? You're getting, you know, 113 million viewers live when you, when you run it, but it's those weeks leading up to it where you really, are you going to get your value? Are you going to generate those kind of PR impressions, that water cooler talk, that anticipation? Um, and releasing the spot early clearly is, is the move to really maximize your ROI. Um, you see more and more advertisers, of course, are doing that. Very few are, are holding it back for the game. And, um, and that's where you really get your return, right? Because, um, yeah, of course, it's great during the game, and, and, but it's, it's those weeks leading up to it. Um, you know, we had uh, our, our CMO conducting interviews with major trade pubs and also, uh, you know, general business publications. Uh, we had our talent interviewed in, in USA Today uh, and People, um, you know, so, so that's where you really can see the value. I love it. And I can tell, Eric, just by hearing you talk, like you're like a well-oiled machine with this right now. Like you're <laughs> like, we got this down. But I know there had to be a day in the beginning before, you know, you got to this point. So let's take it back a few years and tell us about the inspiration for uh, Workday's first Super Bowl ad that you were able to be a part of. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, this year was our first Super Bowl ad. It was wonderful. It started back uh, you know, in, in the uh, summertime, and uh, our agency Ogilvy came to us with this idea, uh, you know, um, to, to have fun and, and play with this notion of, you know, uh, uh, people in the workplace calling each other rock stars, right? We've all been part of an email chain or a shout out from a, from a boss, you know, complimenting us, telling us we're rock stars. And, we, and uh, Ogilvy thought, well, what if actual rock stars push back <laughs> and said, wait a minute, we're the rock stars here. So uh, really fun idea. They, they, it was actually initially, it took a completely different form. It looked like a, a, a real traditional uh, PSA uh, with, with the talent, different, completely different talent, uh, you know, on a grayscale background. Uh, and we talked about it and it evolved and we got uh, the director, Jim Jenkins involved. And Jim said, no, look, you're gonna be on the Super Bowl. This needs to be on a much grander scale. Um, let's take the rock stars, let's put them in environments that are big and appropriate, uh, you know, for the Super Bowl. Paul Stanley there on stage with the classic Kiss signage behind him, you know, with uh, what looks like thousands of fans, and you know, and then take them into the workplace, you know, putting Ozzy uh, in the workplace, interacting with other uh, corporate uh, uh, workers, and and so we had a lot of fun with that. We also put them in their own, you know, setting uh, Ozzy poolside at a mansion or Billy in what looks like a trash hotel room. Uh, Joan, you know, going into the Orpheum Theater in, uh, in downtown LA. Uh, and so really, you know, put together a narrative, um, you know, the one rock star uh, sort of handing the baton to the next over the course of the 60 seconds um, and taking them from, you know, the stage to the workplace to poolside. Uh, really fun, really told a story that engaged the viewer uh, that, that made it, you know, uh, the kind of viewing you don't want to turn away from, um, a lot of fun, just seeing these incredibly famous rock stars that you've known for most of your life, uh, particularly for our audience that we're trying to reach, uh, who are in the C-suite, you know, and are clearly probably, you know, uh, late thirties and, and up, you know, fifties, sixties, uh, you know, who we want to reach, um, our, our, you know, CHROs, our CFOs, and their influencers as well. 
right? Um, so it's really important we reach them and, and the end users. Um, you know, we want to generate uh, uh, love uh, for, for Workday, uh, you know, as we become a, a household name amongst, uh, amongst those that uh, we want to communicate with. So final question. Oh, go ahead, Jess. Yeah, I, just really quickly, I wanted to hit on Eric's point around like this, this holistic idea of bringing the customer and the employee together. And what I really loved about Workday's spot, I just, and you mentioned it too, just bringing them into the rock stars into the workplace. I think that was so key because you really gave a face to your employees, but then also the customer as well. And I just thought it was fabulous. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's the the kind of narrative, uh, the kind of content that gets shared, and, and people really enjoy it uh, and have fun with it. And uh, I thought the, the the music track was perfect. It was sort of this garage rock uh, sound that that uh, you know is really a, a, a sort of a rock star soundtrack. So. Uh, it really drove the the narrative and, and pulled you through. And uh, yeah, it just really came out well. We're really excited and pleased for it. So uh, yeah, it was, it was so much fun. So final question, Eric, as you wrap this thing up, so the commercial's over, we're back to normalcy, we're, you know, in the middle of February. How do you carry the momentum of this ad on yeah. past the Super Bowl? And this is a near and dear question yeah. to me as a social media manager. Um, from my perspective, I've worked on accounts where we would run a commercial and I would kind of plead, like, let's not let this die on the vine. There's so much I can do with this. There's so much I can do with 15 second clips or 30 second clips or, you know, marketing with Ozzy. As you mentioned, him doing a post, it goes so far. What is the strategy now as, you know, you might move to digital, but even other mediums, like what is the next play for Workday after the Super Bowl? Yeah, great question. Um, this is not a one and done at all. Um, you know, like I said, we uh, ensured that not only do we have a really uh, cinematic 60 second, uh, but we also have a really tight 30 that works incredibly well. It actually ran, ran uh, directly after the Super Bowl uh, broadcast. So um, it, it works well. Um, we're in the process of uh, rolling it out globally. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to run all over the world in all of our key markets uh, across the UK, France, Germany, Australia. Uh, and we're also cutting 15s out of it as well. We had so much great footage. Um, we can even cut shorter pieces uh, for use in social media. So yeah, no, this, this idea of the Rockstar is much bigger than just the Super Bowl. Um, we're gonna continue it. Uh, and and it, there's no reason it can't run across all channels either. I think the, the sentiment uh, you know, can be expressed in, in uh, you know, everything from the print ad we ran uh, the following day in the Wall Street Journal, where we apologized uh, to the to the rock stars for hurting their feelings. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's much bigger than just the uh, the Super Bowl for sure. Oh, those sensitive rock stars. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love it, Eric. This has been a wonderful session. I know I've learned a lot. Um, you know, this is like such a you know, it's a little bit of a trip down memory lane for me from coming from more of a, a broadcast world converting to digital. But I've just, for me personally, I've never worked on a Super Bowl commercial. So just hearing like how you 
you know, mentally went through this process with your team, like is extremely fascinating to me. And, you know, I think brilliant. I think our users that hear this about how you've been able to take this and utilize it in so many different strategical ways. There's so much we have learned, we could learn and how much we've learned today. So we, we really, really thank you for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a blast and you're absolutely right, uh, Andy. You've really got to uh, maximize the opportunity and make sure you're actioning it across your, uh, you know, your employee comms, your PR, your digital. I mean, our website had a landing page, of course. Uh, you know, we had uh, a campaign, a teaser campaign leading up to the game running for weeks across every channel. So, yeah, it's just it's too big an opportunity uh, uh, for just the broadcast alone. There's just so much uh, that you can do with it and getting your employee uh, stakeholders on board and getting them behind it. Uh, as a way to amplify, uh, you know, it's, it's just the, the, the possibilities uh, are, are almost endless. And so you've got to work closely with all your colleagues and make sure that you really uh, make the most of it. Yes. Yes. And I'm, I'm giddy right now. I'm ready to go uh, <laughs> smash some guitars. But yeah. Eric, again, thank you. And again, congratulations to you and the Workday team for the execution of your first Super Bowl commercial. It was really excellent. Uh, thanks so much, Jess. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Annie. Appreciate your time today. It's been a lot of fun. Definitely. Thank you so much, Eric. All right. Have a good one. So, Jess, something that I really liked how we concluded with right there is talking about how you know, we mix and match from, you know, productions to digital to to PR, like, and, and it shows just like how intertwined marketing is, but how important it is to get in front of it. Because if you can get in front of it, something like this, I actually think in a weird way, it's almost easier for a company to have this. They built the big brand. They did all the work to get it out on the Super Bowl. But now this brand presence can continue for the next X amount of months. So they're not reproducing new materials, new looks, changing logos, A-B testing, all these things that we do all the time. And I feel like we rack our heads trying to figure it out. They came in with a plan and they're sticking to the plan, which I think is very, very powerful when you think about it, that that is now what their brand is going to go with for the next several weeks or months. Definitely. It's a way to continue the story. You don't have to have a creative idea for each campaign. It's about, like you're saying, like anchoring around a plan, anchoring around a creative idea from a lot of ideas that you brainstormed previously and then figuring out how am I going to continue to tell this story so I can build that brand recall and I can continue to enrich the brand. And, I, and I'm selfishly thinking of it right now through like a LinkedIn lens is this video right here with so much traction. You know people are going to stop the scroll and watch this. I'm just thinking of all the thousands and millions of people um, that have seen this, but what if now you like narrow it into those CHROs we were talking about and kind of that B2B enterprise style, like this probably advanced the common user past like the first, I don't know, I'll make up a number, five or six touch points. We talk about how many touch points you need to like get a B2B conversion. I feel this like really accelerates us into that conversion. And now 
when they see the Rockstar ad, that's great. But what if they're like retargeted and they're seeing the Workday ad now to try to start a business conversation? And I think all of it ties together. They don't have to be super separated from each other. They can really tie together with your strategy. Yes. And I, I can confirm that Workday is currently running the spot on LinkedIn. So yes, check there. Excellent. And we will continue to see how they're going to build off this campaign. But like you said, yes, they can get even more targeted. They can start these conversations directly with the customers that they are trying to reach that C-suite. And, and it's, it's just very exciting. Definitely. But from Workday, we're going to take it now to the Super Bowl because we've got a lot to discuss today, Jess. Um, so Super Bowl commercials, Super Bowl itself. Um, I would like to to brag that I used our legalized sports betting here in Pennsylvania and I won $85 on the Super Bowl. I won three out of eight of my bets, but the three that I won were of the highest value. So it was really good. So that part was awesome. Um, the outcome was a really good game. That flag at the end, as someone who has been an official, and I do that on the side as in baseball, though, little little tic-tac. It was the rules, a little tic-tac, um, but I did enjoy the game. Yes, it was what we hoped for. It was a very good game, very close. You know, it it, it ran the entire four quarters which I think from an advertiser or marketing perspective, like you, you don't want to blow out because mm -hmm. people may be dropping off yeah. when you get to the fourth quarter. But this one, people were in it. And you're right. I, I don't know much about the rules or football. The call at the end, I'm not it, it seemed a little gray to me, yeah. uh, but it, it was a very good an entertaining game. The the rule so the rule I have the, some officials will disagree with this. So like this is something I've done on the side for a long long time is uh, up to high school baseball, um, and basically like you make your discretion if you're going to call it by the book like hardcore by the book, you have to do it from start to finish. You can't just start in the middle be like okay I'm going to call everything tight today. So like you have to like really dictate how you're going to do it. So like in football, for instance, if you're going to call those types of plays, you have to call every single one or you don't call any of them. So that was kind of the main gripe I had. It was like they hadn't called this all day and all of a sudden it came out of the woodwork. But that's that's my sports podcasting past coming out in me. Let's talk, let's talk some ads now. So I had looked through a lot of the ads. I watched them live, of course. I've been seeing different sites with different grades. You know, my personal favorite, I picked two that I'm going to mention here and see what your thoughts are. I purposely didn't tell you this before the podcast because I want your, want your instant reaction. Is The two that I like is I like the Ben Affleck and, and J-Lo Duncan commercial. I also like Duncan, so their brand makes me stop and watch. Uh, the other one I liked was the Chevrolet and Netflix combo commercial with Will Ferrell. I thought it was interesting just to see two brands working together. You had like an environmental message about turning electronic cars, Netflix getting involved in the cause, Will Ferrell and zombies. Like there was so much going on that is just like, okay, I'm going to stop and watch this because there's a lot happening here. Well, we are spot on with 
the Duncan commercial. I thought it was very funny and very entertaining. I also loved the Disney commercial. I mean, and well, you know, I I I do like Disney in general, but I actually thought the 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 commercial was fabulous because it really hit on the nostalgia piece, which I think is one of the trends that we saw this Super Bowl. And we talked about it during our 2023 trends episode about using nostalgia to create that brand recall, to create that emotion and, and, and the good feelings. And I also liked the T-Mobile commercial and the Google Pixel commercial. I, I liked a lot of commercials, but with T-Mobile, with Bradley Cooper and his mom, again, it goes back to what you were talking about with Workday and relatability. It made him more relatable and it was funny. And I understood what was happening because they were in the T-Mobile store and Bradley Cooper was trying to sell his mom on T-Mobile. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like too, when you can use actors, but kind of use them in a more natural role like that, I think that really works because people will gravitate towards them you know, naturally, but there's certain commercials that I feel like just look like another talking head commercial. So if you can kind of make it relatable like that, I think it's fun. That's why I kind of like Ben Affleck. I liked him wearing like the Duncan outfit and everything. Like it was kind of like, okay, this is interesting. Definitely, definitely. And and what's funny is, you know, we went through all of these sites, saw lots of the grades and like even you and I have a difference of an opinion and it just really shows that this is very subjective Mm -hmm. and you know something may resonate with me that doesn't resonate with you so like those brands that really can like create uh or create uh and capture that attention from a mass group of people are are spot on you know and the thing that i like too is we kind of discuss these different brands like so for instance like Talk about Duncan, like, you know, or Netflix. Like, these are brands that you could basically run probably any target audience and, you know, they're going to resonate with people. But then you talk about Workday, which is very kind of specific towards a niche audience, but they still were able to do broad branding effectively. And so many times when we talk about B2B or like really niche style brands, they'll, you know, tell us that our audience isn't everybody, but still like, there's ways to do it. You might have to get a little more nuanced, but it's just interesting to me to see the types of brands that show up on the Super Bowl because we think about the retail all the time or you know, food and beverage, but it's everybody. Everybody can benefit when they do this right. Yep. And again, like what we discussed with Eric, I think the game changer for Workday was they did find that synergy between the customer and the employee so it was a broader it, it, they, they reached a broader base they entertained a broader base and then one selfishly that I liked a lot you know I don't I think a, a good amount of people would have understand it I don't know if it hits the broad audience so it's just like me personally that liked it was the pop corners the breaking bad ad <laughs> Like, if you're a Breaking Bad person, you're just, like, rolling watching that. If you're not a Breaking Bad person, you're like, what am I watching right now? So, like, you know, I I liked it for me personally. But, um, you know, shoot, I don't know what popcorners are. But I might go get some now because they put Breaking Bad on it. Yeah. And I think what what you're highlighting here with some of these trends that we saw across all of them 
is or across many of them was like again the nostalgic piece so like even like thinking about Ben Affleck and working at a Dunkin Donuts in in Massachusetts I, I don't know if it was his hometown but I know it was in Massachusetts with his Boston accent like that that's nostalgia the popcorners tying it to Breaking Bad there's nostalgia there Disney definitely hit on that piece as well and and so we see a lot of that we see a lot of the celebrity piece that came through with a majority of these commercials and you know you put these things together and that's really where you're going to get that entertainment value so I thought these commercials this year were very entertaining as well and you know when you look at these commercials one thing we touched on with Eric was what happens after the commercial so you know, I think that's where really advanced like digital marketers are really going to come into play. But, you know, something that I, I think is so important, like if you're sitting, uh, I'll take my example, for instance, if you're sitting at an agency right now and you're like, man, I'd love to do that. It's going to be like 180 times the budgets we have. I'm never going to be able to do these things. But listen to what Eric said. He had an understanding of how to make this work for PR, TV, digital, bunch of different channels. We're talking video. We're talking, you know, um, talent, you know, all these skills that you have to have, you know, to get this thing off the ground and likely the people you're going to have to partner with. So I don't necessarily think when you think of yourself as a marketer, you don't have to be an expert in everything. But having a knowledge and all these different things and the skills you could be learning right now are skills that I'm sure for Eric, maybe he developed 15, 20 years ago. And now he's starting to put them into play in these regards at the highest stage of the Super Bowl. So I think there's just a lot to be said there that, you know, I feel like as a consumer, we see the 30 seconds, we see it and it's gone. You know, it may still be on our brain. It may come back six months down the road and we do a transaction, whatever it may be. But it's there's so much that's in play here that's kind of like the Jedi mind trick, I like to always call it because it follows you everywhere. Absolutely. And what Eric was saying as well, the plan was not only for after the Super Bowl and how they're telling the story, but before the Super Bowl as well. And I think that is so key. Like this is not a one and done Mm -hmm. commercial. I mean, if if you're really effective, you're telling the story for a long period of time. And it's very consistent. And something that's helped me a lot in recent years. So it was a couple of jobs ago where Social media is interesting for certain companies. It ends up in like a paid lens. For other companies, it ends up more like a PR lens. And one of the companies I was at, it was very much more of a PR-related job because it was very much like updates and announcements. Like we had like emergency protocols. Like if the place, you know, our our center had to be shut down, like messages we put out immediately, um, new press release of something being launched today. Like as soon as the press release goes out, the social media posts will go out simultaneously with it. But those were things I had never thought about. Like I didn't do PR school. Like I didn't do PR training. Like I I don't know. Like, you know, but I learned, you know, and I think that it's just the way marketing is now. It's just not as straightforward probably as it used to be. You know, I don't know, maybe, maybe there was nuances that I'm just missing out on. I'm naive to from like, let's say the 90s. But I think that 
having those those tools in the tool shed is just I found fascinating how they put something out in the Wall Street Journal right after. I was like, mm-hmm. that is freaking clever right there because I wouldn't have thought of that. But that's why having people with those minds that can think of these different things is really important. Yes. As Eric said, use all the tools in your toolkit or open the toolkit. Love the Madman reference as well. But on that note, speaking of PR, I want to get your take on the M&M's commercial. The M&M's? I'm trying to, I have this one up right now. I actually don't remember this one as much. That one was voted one of the losers, wasn't it? It, 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 because they pulled the PR stunt, it, 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 yeah, it's this, lots of sites have, you know, graded it. Well, I'm I'm rewatching it. Yes. I remember it now. It's just so many of them. Like I have like a list of them up on my computer. So I'm playing it right now. Yeah. I actually did watch this one when it came on like I didn't think much of it to be honest I kind of was just like all right (laughs) you know like I don't know like what what were your thoughts on it well I will say I mean they they definitely created a buzz before the Super Bowl people were starting to think about it you know like what's happening here like you're you're gonna take away the M&M candy spokespeople like what are you and you're adding different people in yeah. Uh, so it 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 was it was buzzworthy, but then you're right. I I I don't know if I felt swindled or just like I'm, I'm tricked here. Let's see, this, sometimes this, surprises can be a good thing. Well, this is actually good for an interesting conversation right here because I immediately didn't even understand that point. So like I didn't get that that's what they were doing. They're getting rid of the Eminem, you know, Eminem mascots, which. Now I see what you're saying, because it's called Maya. So it's like, oh, now it come together. Like I probably should have understood that, but I saw this when it was live. I just rewatched it right now, and I still didn't get it till you said that. So that might be something that, you know, they go back to the research table, and was this obvious of what they were trying to accomplish? Because we go back to workday, you're trying to be a rock star in your workplace. I felt like that was obvious. Like, even if you didn't know who Billy Idol was, you understand what they're trying to achieve there. So it's kind of an interesting parallel. Yes, definitely. And you, you saw that with other commercials as well. You're, you're, you're spot on with like, is it is it clear and obvious? Like, what do you want your customers? Are you What do you want the viewers to feel? What message are you trying to tell them? What do you want them to take away from it? And I, I thought there were m- many commercials where I was like, I don't understand what's happening here. Yeah. Yeah. That, that happens to me sometimes. And I have to like, go back to like the tape and replay it. And that's why I'm so thankful for the internet. Cause I can figure <laughs> it out real quick. I'm like, why am I not getting it? And someone explains it. I'm like, Oh, okay. Um, I, that, I like transparent marketing. So I do workshops, you do workshops, Jess, and, you know, we'll get asked a lot about like, what's in, like, what's the style. Like I, I try to say, and, and this is hard. It's easy. It's much easier said than done is, can you be conversational, funny if you think it makes sense, and transparent with your brand at the same time? But I think transparent is really, really big right now because there's just so many distractions. And if people can't figure it out really, really quick, or if there's a long buildup, like, I think it's not in anymore. I think you have to be really quick with what you're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Eric mentioned another point too with his one of his favorite Super Bowl producing commercials 
talking about Jeep and, you know, just like the, the brilliance of it being under the snow and never showing the product. Mm -hmm. And this makes me think of one of the commercials that aired this year, the, the farmer's dog. Did you watch this commercial? I think so. It was beautifully, beautifully filmed. So uh, cinematic, uh, very emotional. It, It really hit on those emotions. And what they ended up doing was they showed their brand right at the end of the commercial, right at the end of the story. And I, I mean, I, I, I loved how it was shot. I loved the video, but I had to go back later and and make sure I was getting the right name of the brand. I forgot what the brand's name was. So I I, I find it really interesting that Eric was saying like with the, the Jeep piece that won all these awards, they didn't show the product and it still resonated and it was still very, very effective. But then my experience with the farmer's dog I felt like they could have put the brand in more mm-hmm. to to help with that recall. Yeah, because then you just remember it was like that commercial. You're like, oh yeah, that commercial, but you don't remember like what it was. So it's like a fine line you got to ride right there. Mm-hmm. So a couple more key points you got to hit on before we hit time <laughs> here. As I got two, the first one is one of the most jaw-dropping parts of the Super Bowl was the Flash commercial, the upcoming film. We all knew Michael Keaton was going to be in it in this multiverse of Batman that are going to show up. Um, but when Michael Keaton comes on, he says, I'm Batman. Like, definitely not even going to try to do his voice because I can't. Um, but it was like, whoa, he, he's back. 30 years later, Batman's still around. Like, I thought that was like a groundbreaking, like, movie cinematic moment right there. Nostalgia. Here we go again. Here we go. Nostalgia <laughs> sells. Um, and then like, uh, I I was looking for all the movie. I like movie trailers a lot. So, um, Scream in New York, I already knew what that was about. It's kind of a good laugh. Um, but then Fast and Furious 10, I was like, they just keep getting more outrageous. Like I was watching the stunts and I was like, you know, Vin Diesel, like he became James Bond, like, you know, five or six years ago or, or no, probably like 10 years ago now. And it's just like, it keeps getting crazier and it, and it's, and I'll watch, but it's crazy. I, I, so I have a confession. I've never seen a Fast and the Furious movie before. I, so to see that there now are going to be 10, it's like, wow, this is, this is a wild franchise or it, it's had some staying power for sure. It, it started off as a street racing film where it was real, well, realistic is kind of a stretch. It was, based on real like types of events of street racing in California and things that could potentially happen. Like it was like 80% of this could potentially have happened. Maybe I'm stretching it, but either way, now it's like 0% chance of it could have happened because they've all become superstars and, you know, they are action stars, but I highly recommend you watch the first one. It's a really good movie. Love the first one. It's corny. It's early 2000s. They didn't have the big budget yet. And then, like, watch one that's, like, current. You're going to be like, what am I watching? You know, so it, it's purely up to you. But I promise you, your hour and 40 minutes of your time won't be wasted on the first one. I will add it to my movie list. And then you count how many times Vin Diesel says family. For the listeners out there, if, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Like, there's a bunch of memes about him saying family. Everything's family. So it's it's fun. 
Uh, final thing we have to talk about before we close is the Rihanna halftime show. Uh, so we talk about branding and that, you know, her music downloads off Spotify have gone through the absolute roof. Uh, we all know the story that, you know, we didn't know she was pregnant and she showed up on stage and still rocked it. Uh, so I thought it was a fun halftime show. Like it was, it was memorable. I wouldn't say it's like, I think Lady Gaga is the goat of, of Super Bowl halftime shows, but I thought Rihanna's was a good performance. I left it feeling like it, it was a fun watch. Yes. And where she really won was the, the product placement piece. So thinking about that marketing mindset, I, just showing that compact and the jumpsuit that she wore, part of two of her brands really paid off. I've got the numbers here. Adweek reported that uh, she raised, I got it, raised, I don't know if that's the correct word, but 5.6 million in earned media in the first 12 hours for Fenty Beauty. So that's, again, just 10 seconds of showing her, one of her makeup compacts. And then $2.6 million for her clothing business, which is Savage X Fenty. That's a lot. That's really quick. <laughs> so, um, and, and we knew that that's what the standing value was. You know, like the value isn't getting paid to perform. The value is the brand power. And, you know, Rihanna, someone who, you know, she made a, I, I, when I worked in radio in 2010 range, like she had so many hit tracks or one after another, and, you know, now it's probably not as many um, and she's doing other things, you know, starting a family, um, you know, working on her makeup line, but um, it shows us that power, like, you know, to get her name out there and her brands out there, like it was that instant when you have it on a stage like that. Absolutely. She really capitalized on being on that global stage. So here's something that people are going to debate the most here. Like, actually, just not many people debating it, uh, just just gamblers. So there's like prop bets to go out on these halftime shows. And they're like, how many people are going to take the stage? And you can bet, like, if you thought Jay-Z was going to show up or, you know, anybody that she's collabed with. Calvin Harris was somebody you could have bet on. Like, all these people, and nobody showed up. But there was like a bet that two plus people would be on stage. So people were arguing, does the prop bet count because she's pregnant and that counts as two performers? So like highly debatable here with the casinos. I did not realize, but I I, I do have to agree that her special guest was her 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 baby. Yeah. <laughs> so so the, the bet counts. So, but but it it was awesome. Another fascinating Super Bowl, you know, to to watch and, and really get some inspiration from some of the different ads. That's that's about all the time we have for today. So Eric Peterson was fantastic. I learned a lot today out of these episodes. Like we've been learning so much from our guests, and I think it's just really arming us for what we bring to LinkedIn and our customers and things we can teach. Like there's nuances that I feel like I'm going to be bringing to the table. Absolutely. 
Well, we will get ready for next week once again. So um, we'll continue our journey through the winter months and you know, keep this thing rolling. We thank everyone who's been you know, listening to us as we've gotten this thing rolling. Uh, obviously on Spotify now, Apple, iHeart, there's different places wherever you want to listen to the podcast, of course, streaming video live on LinkedIn. So pick your channel and you know we'll be with you each week. So once again, thank you, Jess. Yes, thanks, Andy. And we'll we'll see you next week. We'll talk soon. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.